Hello, I'm Mernas Campbell, founder and CEO of Kimia and Kimia Reset. And thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so passionate about helping pharma field professionals to feel confident about using technology and to improve their engagement with healthcare professionals. And is the human element of digital transformation that uh, enabling people to use the technology is what really interests me and I'm curious about. And to explore this topic, I've been inviting uh, inspiring pharma leaders to join us, to learn from them and also give them a platform so they can share their perspective, perspective with us. I'm so delighted to welcome Natalia Andriuchuk today. Hi, Natalia. It's really good to have you here. Hello, Madras. Hello, everyone. It's great to be here. Actually, it was my dream one day to be on the such a conversation, which is live through LinkedIn and which is directly receiving the communication from the audience. And, you know, like uh, we can have a real conversation about all of these interesting things. Exactly. This is brilliant to have you here. So before we dive into that discussion with Natalia, I just want to tell you a little bit about Natalia and how we met. Um, Natalia Andrzejczyk is the CEO of uh, V7, is a leading digital transformation evangelist for pharma and life science industries. And as a digital marketing professional with uh, nearly over 20 years of expertise, Natalia has contributed to developing advanced digital solutions and software for clients in more than 70 global markets. And I think that is a major achievement. And some of their development have been recognized as best in class in globally in pharma. As part of her job as CEO at Visifen, which is a global MarTech provider, Natalia is bringing marketing interactions in pharma to the next level by introducing new methods uh, to more companies. And um, so how we met, we met in May this year in Dubrovnik. Um, I was attending next uh, pharma summit, so was Natalia. And our first encounter was at the end of day one. We had gone for dinner and I got back to the hotel and I was gonna go and um, join the after party. And it was amazing music. I remember the music was so loud. As I walked down the stairs, there was this like vault doors trying to contain the sound. So we opened the vault door and we stepped in. And I was naturally drawn to the dance floor. You know, I'm a bit of a party girl and that's where I met Natalia. And I was most impressed uh, with her dance groove and her energy. It was her confidence and her energy was just infectious. And then the next day I saw her on stage. Um, she was presenting with three other former leaders and the presentation was about cut through the noise, engaging and meaningful content for proper stakeholder engagement. And as I was listening to her, I loved her energy, her insight. She talked a lot of common sense and her drive. And immediately, as soon as the session was ended, uh, I went to congratulate her. I just thought, I want to meet this amazing individual who not only can dance, she's an incredible digital marketeer and you know her innovation is like incredible. So by that point, you had left Natalia, you had gone to catch your flight back home. But I talked to one of your team and they put us in touch with each other and then we connected remotely. And um, I realized how much we have in common. Um, apart from our passion for common sense, we both live through countries that have been through war. And I think that kind of leaves a mark on us that makes us stronger. 
Uh, and I immediately wanted to invite you to the Digital Transformation series. And here we are, have you here. So as I said, I'm so excited to have you here um, because I think you're an incredible person. Oh, thank you very much. I think actually the same about you because uh, whatever, whatever we are doing today, we are sharing not only the common sense, but also the experiences we have building uh, the companies as female leaders, uh, carrying the uh, technology for one of the most important industries in the world, because it takes care about our health and makes sure, make sure that we also knowledgeable and really cautious about health, well-being, humanity, and all kinds of stuff people need to take care in their lives to make it better and to make it meaningful. Nowadays, it is very important not only to be interesting, but to be relevant and to bring value at every level we can reach. So today, working with pharmaceutical companies, our customers, we uh, we want, we eager and we hope to bring the next level of digital transformation, which we can bring as an IT company with the vast technology experience, with the uh, transformation of our own, because we have built a number of products which are not particularly medical products. They are products for marketing and communication, such as content building, such as digital content factory, which is streamlining the whole content production inside farm organization and connects throughout the organization with different departments, breaking mm -hmm. out the silos in the communication between those departments and transforming them to the next level of digital maturity despite of the level they are right now and that takes a lot of work um, in the knowledge sharing in education in change management and in technology and transformation itself so it's it's how we are connected with our customers and how we are working to make sure that communication is happening and it is efficient because you know like communication once it's happening it can save someone's life one day so that's why we taken this path to work with pharma and that's why we are, as Viseven, as our team, we challenged ourselves. And long time ago, this year, it will be, I think, uh, 14 years of our path with Pharma. So we have decided to work this path together with our customers. And we are very dedicated to this path. We are working constantly on bringing the newest technologies to our customers and evolving together with them, making sure we are enabling this technology to help them and then to help us patients. Brilliant. So Natalia, you've been um, like um, in this area for 20 years. I'm just curious, what made you go into pharma and, you know, why is that important to you? I know you mentioned about the patients and helping them, but what was the trigger point for you? 
you know, like we are all want to do something meaningful in our lives, something uh, what what makes us proud of mm-hmm. being alive, of being people, of being human, and if, uh, of course, as an IT organization, you can bring technology to any domain to any uh, to any field so uh, uh, very often i receive this question why you are not working across other industries mm-hmm. because we don't really believe that this is our i would say uh, destiny as a company mm-hmm. once uh, my business partners and me decided to build a company from a small startup we were thinking about doing something meaningful, not only for ourselves, also for other people, because um, people uh, like money and uh, I know career is not the only reason which makes you awake every morning yeah. and to go to the office or to your computer. You need something bigger. You need a purpose. And within what is going on in the world, in our in the modern society, you need the bigger reason than ever to go to the work and yeah. to make sure you are contributing. Mm-hmm. And inside the Zevan organization, and for me personally, working with pharma, we believe that we are contributing as IT, as technology in in, in the area which will benefit all of us. I mean, uh, all, we are all customers, we are all patients. In one way or another, we're having experience. And uh, if we're working in this field, we have every chance to make this experience better. Yeah. And that's why that was a decision long time ago to, to go into that direction. Yeah, I think that it really resonates with me. I remember when I... I was used to be a healthcare professional before I joined pharma industry 30 years ago. And people were saying to me, is that right? And I thought, well, as a, as a healthcare professional, at any one time when I was working in the hospital, I probably could help 28 patients. But in pharma industry, communicating value propositions that can actually save people's life to hundreds or thousands of uh, healthcare professionals across a whole country or globally, I can have much bigger impact. And at the end of the day, I think what you said about having a reason bigger than ourselves is so key. I remember when I was setting up Kimia, I went to a business networking talk and they said, think about something bigger than you. And I went away and I thought, you know, for us to go to work, to earn enough money to have a life is not a big enough reason. You need to have something so much bigger than yourself that gets you going when the going gets tough. And I think... You know, that's really what puts fire in my belly. And I can imagine that puts fire in your belly and your partners that you're trying to do something really meaningful to make a impact and leave a legacy behind. So, yeah, I'm really proud of you for doing that. So- exactly, exactly. Because just imagine if we do not launch one website or we do not wa- launch some, you know, unified experience for the patients to go and to figure out some information one day we can really lost someone's attention and that piece of information could be very useful mm-hmm. to this person and to the adding to the experience of this person and really directing them her him into the right way 
because mm-hmm. nowadays you know not everyone has the access to the doctors immediately right like we have a perfect experience with telemedicine but also many of us are browsing internet and unfortunately can find unsafe information so yeah. all of our partners colleagues uh, i don't know even competitors we are fighting for the best future and for the i would say more accurate and approved information leading into the right direction i think yeah. this is solves a lot of problems today definitely so natalia um, I'm curious to know about your main mission in this event. You said to me about your kind of like purpose, but I know you bring technology to people and transformation is your main purpose, but I've heard you talk about Content Factory. I remember even talking to Venita and uh, the work they've done is kind of like one of the best examples. So I just want to know what's more under the hood. Can you tell me more about your mission and what you do with Content Factory, please? Yes, Content Factory is one of the products which I call the umbrella product because it covers every service and every product in our portfolio, which Vizevan carries on to our customers as a part of digital transformation. So what we actually do while we are launching Digital Content Factory, we're bringing all technology with us so we bring in the content offering tool. We are working with our customers to implement single source uh, approach for the content storing and content management. So we are partnering with Viva. We are partnering with other digital asset management systems as well. So to make sure that our customers have the most from the uh, content production from the unified content production and not only from this by bringing digital content factory on board as a service as a product as an approach so mm-hmm. as a part of this product we are not only launching a technology we are also establish a process which is uh, not only for us as for vendors it unites other agencies which are already working with our customers under this approach. Because unifying the content production, it is not just the unification on the level of programming. And we understand that one day artificial intelligence can swamp all of it and replace it by something else. But we are not unifying only on the level of the programming. We are also unifying on the approach on how we are decoupling creative works from the programming, from the really uh, hands-on uh, creation work. So creative and the uh, content um, uh, uh, messaging, key messaging, and this type of communication is all is uh, is the main bread and butter of the creative agencies, and mm-hmm. we are trying to have them on board into the digital factory at the early stage. So make sure they are on board with the new approach. 
approach of how content will be created, messages will be organized, because afterwards we are really to implement a factory. It means we are to reuse the messages, we are to modularize the content and reuse it across the channels and create the real um, uh, experience for our customer then uh, it, he not only saving the money, but also time to market, also having multi-vendor environment, very, uh, very nice opportunity to launch new channels, to go to omni-channel strategy, to consolidate the data and to create new insights to mm -hmm. implement better segmentation and uh, better personalization and then automate it to the level uh, they need to automate to reach every target audience they know. I was reading an article a couple of weeks ago by PM um, Society Digital Interest Group. I think it was uh, written by um, one of the colleagues from Viva and they were highlighting two best examples of content factory. And one of them was relating with Novo, which I think you were involved in it, Novo Nordis. But Chris is asking a question uh, he's curious to know what's the difference between what Visivan does and what a digital or software production agency does and what's the most impactful change uh, you're making to the way pharma engages with customers right now? Yes, that's, that's a very good question. Thank you very much, Chris. So what uh, what is different? First of all, we are not replacing any creative agencies we are uniting them under the uh, one approach. So while creative agencies are, uh, are not really sharing their work across, like let us imagine the global pharma company with the global to local approach, uh, at the local level, every country used to have their own beloved creative agency, which is very true and which is very right. But do we have every time the possibility to share the experience, like some very nice experience of one market to another market globally? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Because of different um, obstacles, we can have translation lack, we can have lack of understanding, we cannot have the uh, sharing mechanisms in uh, employed in the IT ecosystem. Also, what could happen, uh, this uh, 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 creative content wasn't developed directly to the communication channel I want to use uh, in my country, in my market. And um, companies like Visevan with Digital Content Factory, they are not only producing the content, they are producing the content, we are producing the content in the way like we create it once, after uh, like we take a key message, we take the creative material, we through implemented eVisert content offering platform, we create this content once and then we are deploy it to every channel across all organization despite the markets. Also, we have the translating mechanism inside the uh, offering tool we are proposing, which is connected to Viva and which is related to Lee's question here, because uh, the, we are partnering with Viva, but we're also partnering with IQVIA, with Salesforce, with Salesforce Marketing Cloud, with Aprimo and many others. That brings a lot of flexibility by having uh, the, and uh, with Amazon, 
because most of our services, they based on Amazon introducing the technologies which are AI powered, which are cloud based. So while we are introducing this ecosystem, we are helping creative agencies to be more productive because they are not taking care about delivery of their content to the right channel. So we are taking care about that. Our platform is automatically delivering, uh, publishing the content to the CRM. And once the content is created in eVisit, it suits to every channel we um, uh, identify into the customer ecosystem. It could be email, rep triggered email, it could be a landing page or multi-page website or the interactual in, uh, visual aid. So that could be any of these channels or banner or social media ads. So this all the channels we are covering. And we are giving uh, the, this type of flexibility where you can deploy the content from one market to another market uh, without significant costs. And uh, you can really reuse and repurpose because technology is not a, an obstacle anymore. And creative agencies are more focused on the creative work, on the messaging and such things. Yeah, thank you for that. And Liz, by the way, so good to see you here. Um, we, you and I need to catch up soon. I think the second part of Chris's question, maybe if you could dig a little bit deeper there, I think they talked about being relevant because producing content, if it's not relevant, is a bit pointless. Could you talk about how Visafin ensure the content is relevant and personalized, please? Yes, for sure. Uh, it's a very it's a complex question because uh, once we are talking about relevant uh, content, for sure we are touching the subject of personalization. And here, uh, like a part of having a factory and of working with different channels, we have to have a very deep understanding of the mechanism which is delivering personalization at the first place. So how, how the personalization usually delivered is delivered because our content is standardized and because we are able to consolidate the data from different channels. It means if uh, it doesn't matter if your organization employ um, through the market different type of channels, we are helping to build the data lake to take care about data accuracy, data management, and consolidate your data to make sure you are not only having this insights, but you also can make a um, uh, better effort on more accurate digital segmentation as a result, and then delivering the insights we are learning from the first interactions of our content with the audience, we are able to deliver these insights, uh, additional insights to the brand managers, to creative agencies, because we are partnering with them. And this is how this ecosystem is working. So today um, it's still manual, but tomorrow with the 
AI, AI implementation, I believe that these suggestions will be done automatically after the data is retrieved. AI will be suggesting the improvements automatically. Uh, we are constantly trying to automate and to make changes in our software and the way how we are employing artificial intelligence in our systems, in our approaches. We have uh, we have started to do that um, internally inside organizations. We uh, we uh, implemented ChatGPT into our um, uh, data knowledge library. So we started from our own selves to make sure we can use uh, data which we gained uh, through the uh, years of experience across different layers inside our organizations much more efficiently. And now uh, through the, uh, going through that experience, we do understand many aspects which could be really improved. Like yeah. uh, we are working today on the translating mechanism. So because um, translation is the first thing uh, which we can, I, I want to say, attack with the technology. Because even, even we have the automated translation, it's very simple. We need to work more with the translating uh, memory servers, we need uh, to replace the duplicates, we need to uh, really um, avoid of doing repetitive jobs, we need to uh, coach and to make sure our algorithms are better and they are educated to the language, to our medical and commercial purposes. All of these are our targets and we are working with translation mm -hmm. in this in this way. Also, we are uh, looking into MLR where we want to um, and we are we are having some already some of the things implemented and some of the things will be uh, will be upcoming by the end of the year where we are looking on the um, a probability level to suggest uh, inside our tool to our customers once they are creating their content from the modules components and inside the tool so how much chance they have to be approved fast or a probability score is lower so we are working on in that direction as well so we you know i can talk endlessly about yeah. that but but i can see if, if it is an interesting topic yeah. no i'm really fascinated about ai um i must say i'm not really worried about it i don't think ai is going to replace me i'm just looking at possibilities and how i can embrace it and you, you kind of, in a way, you talked about your position with AI, you're trying to incorporate it. But I was attending a webinar last week and they were talking about how AI is going to change the way we work between now and 2026. And they were saying the improvement in technology, the speed of change is going to be equivalent of what change we experienced in the last hundred years. So this is, this is called a quantum leap. Uh, and I really want to understand it because some of the entrepreneurs we're talking about, instead of working five days a week, they can actually simplify some of the processes automated using AI to work three and a half days a week and spend the other one and a half days, you know, spending with their families or thinking more creatively. And what they were saying was is more to do with the mindset, like any change is the mindset around AI. I'm just curious to know how do you foster a culture of innovation and collaboration in Visavent? What's the mindset in Visavent around technology and AI? We're definitely uh, hopeful uh, about AI. 
because like any IT organization, we have a lot of overheads and uh, I hope in the past, a lot of works, which is rather, I would say, hygienic, repetitive, not creative, uh, do not requiring a lot of human touch, but a lot of, I would say, operational motoric work, which is, which is not interesting, which is really a routine. We, we were witnessing how technology were, was like eliminating this routine year by year. So implementing different steps. And we can see today with AI, we, def uh, we definitely will uh, have less work on implementation of, um, I would say, knowledge sharing is better. Mm -hmm. We uh, would prefer to have virtual assistants uh, over to, to employ someone for non-interesting position as an assistant to manage somebody's calendar, meetings, etc., etc. This this is definitely the improvement. Also, uh, um, uh, with the GPT-4 and the other services, uh, I think from Google on that range, we have a very promising results and proofreading. And I think uh, that will be improving uh, with the next versions as well. So this is type of work is also uh, very much needed as, as much as you are running an international organization where you have people in different locations. Like in our case, we have Ukraine, Estonia, Poland, uh, France, uh, Spain, Germany, Philippines, uh, Canada, US, India. So we have a lot of locations and um, where English is the second language, not the first. And that really requires some effort to make sure your communication is not only relevant, but also clear. So yeah. that's why proofreading yeah. is one of the things inter internally where I using a lot and we'll be using even more to make sure we are communicating better with each other. What do you think is the biggest challenge around uh, pharma companies uh, facing around digital transformation? What are the things you think stopping them and could be addressed? I think uh, we're still uh, like... Uh, Technology, we more or less everyone sure and know, right? We we still have to fight with being isolated, like silos, where across a big organization, especially big organization, different departments, different business units are still isolated. So that's why our DCF Digital Content Factory really interconnects inside customers' organization on different levels because we have the communication with marketing, with IT, with uh, agencies, with compliance, with uh, procurement, with a lot of different levels inside one organization. So that's, that's definitely where we can feel this challenge. Of course, change management and professional services, because as much as technology evolves, professional services and change management will be the key to bring these technologies closer to us, to people. So, 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you for that. We've got a comment from Liz around AI. Liz thinks that it would be uh, difficult for AI to replace the content approval MLR part of the digital content management because at the end of the day, she thinks you need to have a human to be able to make the judgment. And I guess she's got a really valid point because like I'm thinking about ABPI called the practice in the UK is um, it's not it's very clear, but it's not absolute. You have to kind of like think how it's going to be perceived. And she she thinks AI would might have difficulty. I don't know, Liz, what I hear about chat GTP4 and how you can train it to think like you or give it these prompts that can actually train it and it remembers what you prompted. You never know, in a year's time, we might be in a different place regarding that if i may comment uh, to Liz on ai and regulations i do agree that uh, uh, human judgment will be not and should be not replaced here but but also i wanted to bring this in the way like ai could check the uh, vulnerability vulnerabilities of vulnerable places in the one's document and highlight them for human. So make sure like there are more um, effort and uh, um, efficiency of the human being is brought into the right direction. And here we talk about uh, getting more speed being much more accelerated uh, with the help of AI. So replace is not, but acceleration perhaps by highlighting things, by making sure like even this document scanned and it for sure it needs to be uh, read once again, but the most vulnerable parts with the time will be even much more accurate and highlighted faster. So the human can concentrate on the uh, target places, you know, mm. so that's acceleration could happen actually. Yeah. Uh, we've got a comment from Chris. He says that we've been talking about this. I guess, Chris, you're talking about AI. We've been talking about it for 50 years and having the same discussion, but the impact's been relatively limited. Um, do you have thoughts on that, Natalia? Uh, I, I would say it is limited uh, because of uh, like of how many regulations we have in the industry. That's why uh, we cannot take it for full speed like in like comparing to the industries which are less regulated we can we cannot of course compare pharma with uh, uber or with netflix we cannot because on the stakes very different things right so we are not uber and we shouldn't be and but comparing with the less regulated industries, so you can see how much impact already done on the on the way we are presented to some theme, to the subject, to the film, to whatever service we are presented to. So as consumers, the impact is there. For us, um, I would say uh, for the future, we need pay attention uh, to AI because uh, more or less everyone who will pay attention and use it for accelerating ourselves to get the boring job limited. So to make sure we can can use it to our benefits will win 
over the others who are not using it, right? So, and mm. it is not a proven fact yet, but if you you will see still we have a positive dynamics in the um, uh, diagnose, uh, diagnostics, in the um, uh, uh, specimens um, examinations, in medical, uh, in me in me uh, medical treatments. So we do have some, you know, some advances already with AI, which we haven't seen for the last 50 years. But I do agree with you that the limitations already also there and and we need to be uh, not so much optimistic, optimistic, but we can see also the positive results for sure. <laughs> I think the reluctance is because pharma is quite traditional in its approach. I think the disruption is going to come from the left wing. I mean, I was looking at my Amazon app. I, I live in US, so in Amazon app, I've got One Health, I've got Amazon Pharmacy, and you know, here I can. I remember I moved here about 2017. I found that about Teladoc. I thought, what a brilliant idea. I don't even have to book an appointment and go to my GP. I can just call and FaceTime someone. Initially, it was $9. It's a no-brainer. It's so much easier to see a healthcare professionals on Teladoc. Okay, the price has gone up now, but still, if you think about it, would I, you know, you, you want to get health and advice on health quickly. So as a consumer, if I've got other options, and I think Amazon knows so much about me, knows about my supermarket basket shopping in whole food it knows about what i've ordered so they have a lot more information about my personal preferences That's so if they're point. offering health to me and offering medicine it's going to be a lot more personalized to me and i think google has so much data on us facebook has so much data on us so i think the disruptors who would use their ai to provide health solutions may not be pharma companies it might be someone else or partnering with with a pharma company i don't know but also uh, uh, talking about acceleration, once we are visiting a doctor uh, from uh, uh, 15 or 20 minutes of our visit, how many minutes it does take to uh, update the records for the doctor in the computer, right? So if we think about that simple things, right, if we will be able to update the simple things with the artificial intelligence, so if they will know about us as much as Amazon does, right? So yeah. that's that's for sure will update the records and will update the information instantly. So also taking care about our own health because there are more and more responsibility on our shoulders for our own health because very rarely, like not like nearly everyone has their schedule of taking some pills and medications and some obligations in front of their own selves. So if we will do some acceleration and automation around that process, we also will really be much more efficient. Plus we will receive more data, yeah. hopefully shareable data with our doctor. And well, that's right the now, acceleration we're yeah. talking about. I mean, in US, the system, health systems are so disjointed, but say my healthcare provider, I can see all my test results, I can see all my, you know, visits, summaries, everything is patient health record. Obviously, if I go to another provider, they won't have access to it, but I have access to my health data. And I think things will change as technology and health management uh, get combined and used but I think there's so much room for improvement and even within pharma companies like somebody talks to a, to a representative 
you know, if they if they if they have another touch point through digital forms or they talk to medical, those informations are not jointed, joined together. So we still got a lot to improve in terms of having a single place, a repository of all the information. So the left hand knows what the right hand's doing within pharma. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It should um, be not something advanced AI can't handle. <laughs> yes, that's for sure. At least that's for sure that we all hope for this. This is something we are all looking for by talking about how data must be consolidated, how we must know about one's target personas. And this is going into each direction. We are not only as pharma companies talking about HCP personas. We are also talking about patients personas. So that's that uh, that is how it works because if we uh, look at ourselves as consumers so as mena saying like as a consumer we we are very known consumer for everyone so because of the data shared through the internet and because of the omnichannel approach everyone suggests us immediately everything what we even were thinking about but as patients, we are so much disconnected, silenced from the service. And each time when we change a provider, an insurance company or a doctor, that's so painful. So that's definitely should yeah. change. I think Liz, what probably we need in future is humans that are AI enabled. AI would not replace humans, but I think AI would simplify our life so we can do some tasks that are repetitive or routine much faster. But no, um, they're, they're not going to take over. <laughs> We're still, the humans are in charge. Um, so yeah, I don't think there's fear there at all. So I've just got a few final questions, just circling back to you, um, because you've had an incredible journey. You're a female CEO, um, you know, and you you know you kind of like worked and you know got to where you are within a tech industry and also pharmaceutical industry and I'm super proud of your achievement I mean Visifen started in Ukraine and the country's gone so through so much challenges and turmoil with two wars in 2014 and 22 and yet you as a CEO have grown it to become a global country company operating in 70 diff different markets so uh, what's it like to be a female CEO and what makes a good leader in your view? How, how did you make it happen? <laughs> Thank you for this very tasty question in the end of the conversation. Um, I would say uh, this is my team who needs to say if I'm a good leader. So I'm trying to be a good leader all the time, leading by example. I'm trying to do whatever I can to show the good example to my team and to work together at every challenging task. Um, once I received such a, a comment from someone visited us uh, in the headquarters and uh, we were entering, uh, entering the building and we were really like uh, saying hi and telling the first names to each other and uh, my visitor told, oh, you know, everyone in your organization, you really know your business. I say, yes, and this is the key. You have really to know your business, to know your team and to understand what you are doing. 
and being able to show a good example at any time of need with UI leader. So this is like what is what is driving me and uh, helping me to think that I can be a good leader and my team to answer if I am a good leader or not. For us, uh, as the company who started their path in Ukraine, and now we are introduced around the world. So like it, it was the biggest journey and it is the biggest journey and the biggest achievement throughout my professional career to grow a company, not only in Europe, but to open offices and to establish teams also in Canada, in Argentina, in US, in Philippines, in India, and in Europe, in more destinations like Poland, like Estonia, like France, like uh, Germany. So we have, uh, and we are still exploring this task. However, I think this is one of the biggest achievements we have done through the last couple of years. And yet we are still um, working on it. So we know perhaps a lot of about change management <laughs> in our organization. <laughs> yeah, I think that's an incredible story. I think everything is created twice, once in our own mind and the other one when it is realized in real life. And for you to achieve the incredible journey, you had to have presence, global presence in so many different markets from Europe, North America, India, you know, Far East. You saw it in your in your vision back in 2013. And it's not an accident that 10 years on, you made it happen. So you're an inspiration to me. And, you know, I think, you know, when I talk to your team, they, they, they you know, echo, you know, your leadership style and, you know, it seems as if, despite the fact you've grown to be a global company, it feels like a family. Uh, it doesn't feel like a, you know, stuffy organization. Uh, it, you're real and, you know, you feel as if you're talking to normal human beings. So I think that says a lot about you and the culture you created. So congratulations. I'm so proud of you. Thank you very much. This is this is really important because we, we want to be a family, a big one. But to have these values as family and to make sure like we have our people feelings like very comfortable at any time of their lives that they connected to Visever. We're proud with the people who are staying with us for a long time and we want them to be with us for a long time. Yeah. Of course. Oh, I will see people have uh, yeah. approval of the MLR. Liz, thank you very much. That's yeah, very important. <laughs> yeah. um, it's really good that you joined us, Liz. Um, we should catch up. And um, if anybody else has any questions, well, my last question for you is, if you could be remembered for one thing in your career, what would that? What do you want that to be? A part of growing from Ukrainian to global organization. So we have been uh, also connecting together with you before the meeting. And there's a story then um, our other two co-founders, uh, Roman and Slava and myself, back in 2013, were strategizing on what company we will be in the five and 10 years. There was a big whiteboard in the office and a wizard then our tool was like a very, 
MVP stage and uh, we had uh, a small team of 50 people so and I put on the top of this whiteboard that our tool Evisa will become top five content offering tools known for pharmaceutical industries so in 10 in 10 years so Everyone was like, what is content offering tool? Why they will even need that? This tool is just helping us to program the content. Why uh, brand managers will use something like that? They are very happy with the agencies. So all of that questions were flying in the air. But I was very confident, like it will be by the time we will arrive there. So we will be in that place where everyone will be really more independent on the content production, having this do-it-yourself approach, hybrid approach. Content offering will be different from 2013 and now 2023. And now we are there. So we are building hybrid DCFs. We are working with the content offering tools. And Elizabeth uh, is well known indeed, but... Back 10 years ago, it was really like they, okay, let's leave it on the whiteboard. Maybe we will go to more important things. That's <laughs> incredible. Did you take a picture of the whiteboard? Yes, I, I, will, wow. I will find it and email it to you. So, but yeah, yes, I, I, it, I think it we is. should do a LinkedIn post on that one. That is an incredible story and well done for you for achieving this. I'll tell you, uh, Natalia, thank you so much. It's been amazing to have you here. And I'm sure our audience really enjoyed hearing your perspective. I can talk to you forever. So maybe we should organize another session later on. And I also want to say thank you to Chris and Liz for commenting and for all of you who joined us today and shared, you know, your perspectives with us. Um, and I said, I'm really passionate about enabling field teams to get their arms around technology. Um, our multi-award winning platform, Kimia Reset, has helped MSLs and sales teams to increase their confidence increase the quantity and quality of their HCP uh, engagement in some regions up to five times. And I'm excited to tell you that we are actually developed an exciting new course called Kimia Readapt that is uh, defining seven habits for hybrid working to gain competitive advantage and connect with HCPs via any channel. So if you find field teams are not adopting tech and digital contents and you want to address this, please get in touch because I would like love to hear from you. Thank you from me. Thank you, Natalia. Thank yeah. you. Bye. Bye.